Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Questions for God. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our big question for this week, can a rational person believe in predictive prophecy? Our specialist in the hot seat today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric, welcome. It's fantastic to have you back with us again. Good to be here. Comes quick and it's good to be here. It certainly does. The whole week has just, just galloped away from us. I cannot believe where it's actually gone. So what have you been up to this week? Oh, I've been out and about. Um, you know, restrictions are easing a bit more now. So, yeah, I'm getting out and about and um, seeing a few more people that I call and visit on and had a bad incident with a dog yesterday. We won't go there. No, that wasn't real good, was it? That no. wasn't real. Have you been to the shops yet? I have. I've been down there and there's a surprising uh, how many people are coming back out again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a few are wearing masks, taking precautions, and the uh, shops are still keeping so many people in. Mm. You get counted down if you go to Big W or somewhere they count the number of people going in and out so that's all good i feel safe and secure that's good that's good that's wonderful eric tell us something are you a person that uh, that likes reading do you like studying i mean uh, tell us a little bit about yourself well, I'm so busy sometimes, you know, I find it hard to, to do a lot of reading. Um, when I study the Bible, I like to have my different translations out to get the, you know, different meanings from some of them. I find that very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also got the commentaries there too, which I like doing. But I also like history in my private reading. I, I like to read things like about Captain Bly. I've read that about three times. I'm really interested. Captain in Bly. Captain Bly. You know, he was such a misunderstood figure. If you read the book about Captain Bly, uh, it just gives you a different aspect of what he was actually like. Uh, also, Ned Kelly, uh, one of his grandsons, actually, one of the policemen's grandsons actually wrote an account of what actually happened about Ned Kelly because Ned Kelly is often romance, you know, sort of romanticized. Uh, romanticized, yeah. yeah. But if you actually read it and how ruthless some of those policemen were killed and, and the, the grandson's story and the account of how the, what the police went through, very interesting to get another account of all that, you know. Wow. I've, mm. I've, I've got to admit, I've never actually read uh, on certainly Australian history, historical novels. Uh, they could be very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I couldn't put it down, and and you know, I've read them two or three times just to go back over it. And but it's just interesting some of the facts that come out of it. You know, mm, mm, yeah. mm. Eric. This Friday night. Now we've got a brand new series starting. This is called Hope Awakens. Now, uh, Pastor John Bradshaw is going to be presenting this uh, this series. Now, I think that uh, this is going to be a real beauty, but. Uh, Can you tell us anything about this series? Hope Awakens is what it's called. Can you tell us anything about it? Yes, um, this is a, a interactive series uh, to make more sense of the moments and find answers and to give us hope uh, for now and for tomorrow, really. Okay. Uh, and the, the topic, some of the topics he's covering is like signs you can't ignore, uh, and that's the first one, I think. Then we've got um, Hope Awakens. Um, and then Tuesday is the unseen enemy. So it starts Friday going right through and then heroes in a time of crisis from failure to victory and earth's ultimate remedy. It's actually done by John Bradshaw from the editor's written program. 
John Bradshaw, and it is written that mm. that series they they present some really tremendous material. Yeah. Uh, as I understand it, this is a twenty meeting series going over four weeks, wow. and uh, what you what you have here is a is a series that deals with the times in which we are currently living. Mm. This is a series that I'm I'm actually really looking forward to uh, uh, to uh, to watching. Uh, folks, can I encourage you? Uh, just do a Google search, Hope Awakens, uh, with John Bradshaw. I think you'll really appreciate this uh, this particular series. What time does that on? What time? That Central Australian time. Okay. That's uh, 7, uh, 7 o'clock Central Australian time, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, okay. Friday evening is when, it, is when it commences. You do have to register, though, folks. So mm. please uh, just do an internet search and register for that program, and you'll be sent a link because uh, that that is a high quality uh, quality program that we're, we're sort of restricting who uh, who is actually able to, uh, to to watch that series folks let's come to some music this is Marion Blythe Peppers there is a fountain Sinners plunged 
again to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary. Our specialist in the hot seat today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church and it is wonderful to have Eric back with us again today. Uh, This week, the question we're asking, can a rational person believe in predictive prophecy? Now, yesterday, we put this question to Pastor Gary Webster, who, of course, has been presenting his series Predictions of Hope Beyond Corona. He gave us a wonderful answer. And then we talked about that particular question with Pastor Joseph Matichik here in the studio. You know, I was so intrigued with that particular question that I actually asked, I put that question to another friend of mine. This afternoon I had the privilege to speak to uh, uh, Pastor Wayne now, Wayne is an incredible, an incredible supporter of Faith FM. He really appreciates all that Faith FM does. He's a leader in Christian media production. So I was wondering what Pastor Wayne, I wonder what he would say about that question. It's a significant question. Do you believe that the Christian church has generally lost interest in prophetic teaching? This was his response. Wayne, welcome back to Faith FM. It is wonderful to have you on board once again. Really appreciate it, all that you've been able to share uh, with us uh, about the Christian church generally. And the question we've put to them is this, is do they believe that the Christian church has generally lost interest in prophetic preaching and teaching? What's your view on that one? Do you think the Christian church has lost interest in prophetic preaching and teaching? But that's a, an amazing question, Gary. Um, and and there, there could be a number of responses to this. If you go back in history, the, the I guess to the book of Acts, my understanding is that the, the Christian church throughout the ages has always been, I guess, somewhat leading the charge in formulating the, the, the teachings, in formulating the morality and culture of society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been fundamental to, to what's happened. Mm-hmm. And as time has gone on, maybe there's the question, and it's just a maybe for, for us and, and maybe for the listeners to think about, that maybe the, the Christian church has gone from being the, the leader in this field to being a reflector of society. Hey, that's that, that's an interesting comment, uh, a reflector of society. What, what about this idea of prophetic teaching? Because I'm conscious that within the scriptures, the thing that we've been discovering is that there's a huge amount of prophetic material. And yet within the Christian church generally, uh, certainly we looked at Dr. John Lennox, he certainly made this point that this is something that the Christian church generally uh, seems to have, uh, I suppose, um, resisted in more recent years. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think has uh, maybe I need to reflect on a little bit more deeply, but I, I think he's he's onto something there that we have rather than being out on the front foot, there is potentially a tendency for us to, you know, be oh well, we don't want to offend or we, we don't want to appear to be wrong. Um, and so we, we hang back a little bit from 
being the leader that, that the church, that God has indeed called the church to be. Okay. And so in, in, in so doing, maybe we've become um, too soft. Maybe we've become um, at risk of, of, well, what if, what if I'm wrong? What if, what if, you know, so the, the, maybe the confidence in, in predictive prophecy has given way to being going to be more accepted within the community. And, but as I guess you were thinking about this question, um, you know, the, the prophet Amos um, from chapter 3, verse 7, I'm reminded of his, his um, words here. He says, Surely the Lord does nothing, will do nothing, but reveals his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Mm. And so it was this this absolute, you know, surety, and whether it was with Amos, whether it's Daniel, um, whether it's Jeremiah or, or other prophets, there was that absolute certainty that God was speaking to them, God was revealing the future to them, and they were conveying that to the people, um, the message to the people. Mm. And, you know, I think as a, as a Christian church today, it's, we, we need to anchor ourselves in the, the surety and the truth of the Word of God. Oh, it's upon that that we share the message. It's upon that that we preach um, every week. It's upon that that we study the Bible and share with mm. people of that confidence that the Word of God is in fact the Word of God, and He reveals His truth to us. That's very powerful what you're actually sharing there, uh, Wayne, because the thing that I'm conscious of is that we talked about, well, we did actually talk about this yesterday, but um, uh, on, on the weekend, Gary Webster, what he's actually doing is presenting some evidence for faith. And I'm just so yeah. conscious that um, so, so often faith is pictured as being something that is um, something that has got very little foundation. And yet the thing I think that uh, that has come through continually in the meetings that have been presented is that faith actually has significant evidence. And one of the challenges that uh, I'm conscious that uh, uh, I think the Christian church is actually facing today is that we seem to have lost sight of the evidence that is within the scriptures because uh, prophecy, uh, you actually see evidence in uh, in history, you see it in archaeology. It's something that is provable and something that is clearly able to be handled. And as I sort of look at that, I, th- I say, hey, I think... This prophetic teaching gives something to our world today that possibly the Christian Church has even has even forgotten. What's your thinking? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. That, and this again, if we if we if we can find um, looking through history, it, it gives us confidence in the Word of God, and it allows us to be the leaders once again in in the society. Yeah. Now, you know, I will say that. You know, there are some things that have happened in Christian history that you know, are absolutely abhorrent. Yeah, yeah. And and we deserve to be um, criticised. Yeah, you know, I guess criticised for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but when we look at at the Word of God, we need to. People are searching for hope, so we need to give to people that absolute assurity of what Scripture says. Indeed. And it's not as some sort of suggest that. Well, you guys are. Yeah, it's all faith-based and there's no reason, there's no rationale, there's no evidence in that. No, Scripture, and this is what makes Scripture um, the Word of God because you know, it's the, the foundation um, document, founding document for humanity, for um, 
it gives us an understanding of the world in which we live. Yeah, and, and so there's got to be that linking of, of faith and science um, that enables the the church to explain and 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 I guess God to reveal to us, you know, how things work, how we are, you know, what our values should be, what our morals should be, um, and indeed where we find hope, because this is what enables us. If we if we don't have hope, we are in trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, the hope itself needs to have a solid foundation. And this is what we're actually talking about, uh, continually here. That what we're, what we're seeing, uh, within, within the meetings that certainly that Gary Webster and I know John Bradshaw is, uh, are presenting this weekend is, uh, is a faith but a faith that is actually based on something that can be handled, that's solid and certain, uh, something that is uh, is powerful and life-changing. And to me, as I look at that, I just say, hey, uh, I'm so thankful that the Lord has actually given us the Scriptures today uh, to be able to share. Wayne, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Really do appreciate all that you've shared. Really appreciate you sharing your heart there too, because I think it's important uh, to actually hear uh, the heart of our of our media leaders. Thank you so much, Wayne. May the Lord richly bless you in your ministry. That was Pastor Wayne Boehm speaking from Sydney just uh, earlier this afternoon. He's uh, dealing with that uh, question, do you believe that the Christian church has generally lost interest in prophetic teaching? I I just wonder, Eric, what's your thought on that particular subject? Is this something that the Christian church generally is, is struggling with today? Well, I think, you know, waiting for Jesus to come, you know, over time, uh, the power of God's word um, it needs to be alive in us, you know. Mm. And I think that we can uh, drift in our in our thing. I think sometimes too we rely too much on. Um, um, sometimes I think it's best for each one of us to dwell into the scriptures. I mean, we have prophetic meetings, and that's all good. I'm mm. 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 but you know we've got to do it ourselves, and not just just have it like um, a performance that we just watch and that's it. We've got to check it out because the world offers nothing. It, it's unstable and, and the Christian faith gives us, as he said, the hope. But we have to see that evidence ourselves through Scripture. Mm. And you can read it and see it. You know, you can see it, but you've got to read it and understand it and look for it and, and dig for it like it's a love, it's a treasure, it's mm. it's beautiful, you know. So I think, that, yes, we can drift and lose that love of the Scriptures and prophetically that can be... That as it's talked about. I really appreciate what you're actually saying there, Eric, about the need for us to actually search and understand for ourselves. Uh, because what I am, I'm really, con- it's so easy to be go- able to go along even to, uh, uh, to a worship service once a week. And that sort of becomes a bit of a routine. And so you, you go and you sit and you listen and you leave and you, and it doesn't really make any life changing, uh, impact. Uh, but I'm just so conscious that what you're saying is that I think it was the Bereans in the book of Acts were committed by Paul because they were searching and checking out even the things that the great apostle Paul was teaching. That's incredibly powerful. You know, I I look at that and I say, hey, that's an an amazing example uh, for the world in which we're actually living today. Uh, I'm conscious that it is actually so easy to rely on the internet and to rely on preachers that uh, to establish fact is something that we tend to overlook. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for, for, for what you just shared there. Let's come and enjoy some music. This is Jeff Morris, uh, Beyond Beyond.
would sound aright Did I rest one hundred years, a thousand Or was it just one night Love lifted me into the air I saw it with others gathered there Through a canopy of grace To a place the Savior Jesus. To 
receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, Big Questions for God with Pastor Gary. Our specialist in the hot seat today is Eric Hoare. Eric is the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it is fantastic to have Eric with us. Once again, really appreciate Eric's down-to-earth practical answers that he gives us week by week. Uh, This week we're asking, can a rational person believe in predictive prophecy? Now, of course, rationality requires evidence. So today, we've asked Eric to share with us by looking at the sheer quantity of predictions, the sheer evidence that were fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah. Eric, please share with us, what is the evidence? Well, thank you, Gary. Uh, When I looked at this and this subject came up, uh, it's interesting when you delve into the scriptures that there's over 44 prophecies of Jesus throughout the Bible. Mm. 44, and there's a lot of evidence there, a lot of weight within yeah. the within the word. That's, of course, in the what we, what we would call the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and um, uh, because that was the Bible of Jesus. Well, it's interesting that. They are found in the Old Testament for sure, but also there's relational text to them in the New Testament, which links it all up. Ah, that's important, isn't it? Because the the, the early disciples certainly recognized the prophecies in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and what we call the Old Testament, they would have called their Bible, Mm -hmm. and then they quoted them. In the New Testament, that's important. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. was fulfilment of those prophecies. For instance, uh, I've just pulled a few out. The first one was, one of them was that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And that's actually found in Micah. Micah is a small book around about the middle of the Bible. And it's found in chapter 5. Uh, verses 2 and 4 to 5 where it reads there But you Bethlehem Ephrathah Though you are little among the thousands of Judah Get out of you Yet out of you shall come forth to me The one to be the ruler in Israel Whose going forth are from of old From everlasting And he shall stand and feed his flock In the strength of the Lord In the majesty of the name of the Lord His God And they shall abide For now he shall be he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Now, Gary, the book of Micah was written around 735 to 700 BC before mm. Christ was born, mm. and that's the 8th century. And that's an amazing prediction because Bethlehem at, his, at that time, very small in Judah. And the reason why they say Bethlehem Ephrathah is actually there's two Bethlehems mm-hmm. listed, but this is actually locating the exact pinpoint place, which to me is really amazing. That's actually a remarkable prophecy because what to me that is actually saying, the equivalent today would be saying somebody in about the year uh, 1500 mm-hmm. uh, saying that in 2020 that this this leader is going to be born in a small town in the back blocks of New Zealand. You're a New Zealander. But, yeah, Probably in Bacargill. <laughs> I mean, that's remarkable. It is. It is true. And then, you see, 
and then it's backed up because in Matthew 2, 1 to 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now Matthew was written around 60 AD, 60 years after the birth of Christ. That is amazing. That's the fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. In other words, the disciples have recognized the fulfillment Mm -hmm. of an Old Testament prophet and they've chosen to write about it. But to me, that is a remarkable thing on its uh, on its own that um, that in fact a, a prediction can be made and then. You can see the fulfillment so many years later. That's right. And this is identifying who the Messiah is. This is just, you know, it's telling everybody that this is Christ mm. that was born here. This mm. is identifying. Mm. The second one was that the Messiah would actually be rejected by his own people, which is an amazing thing to write about, that he wouldn't even be uh, supported. And Isaiah 53, 3 says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces for him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Now, Isaiah was written around 701 BC, before the birth of Christ. And here, John, in John 1 10, 11, written 110 years to 130 years after the birth of Christ. It says, He was made in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. And nice. and, and if you think about it, you know, Eric, that's a really a remarkable thing to actually say. Because what you've actually got here is a situation where uh, the Jewish nation has been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. You know, he's the one who's going to lead them. And yet the Old Testament prophet kicks in and says, when the Messiah comes, mm. this is what he's, it's going to be like, and you guys aren't even going to accept him. And then you find that the New Testament authors actually pick this up and they uh, they see that there is actually reality to what the prophet Isaiah is actually saying. That's right. And it is a bit of a warning to us too, I think, that as we read the scriptures, that we don't put our own... Sometimes I think we can put our own interpretation on some of these things that um, when things happen and when Jesus comes, you know, that we can have Jesus sort of like, Putting a buttonhole that this is the way we think he would act. He might, sh- he would probably shock us yeah, with what he yeah. would say and do. And as we wait for Jesus to come, um, you know, I remember some of the sermons I used to preach when I first came into the church, and they were raw and and heartfelt and that that you know. But I really meant every word of it. But then you know, you can kind of get a bit conditioned away from that and yeah. and seeing how the how the world struggles through trying to know Jesus. The other one was that I found. I'm just sharing a few because. There's 44, and there's a lot of them. But the third one, that the Messiah would actually be declared the Son of God. So this identifies Jesus. It says in Psalms 2, 6 to 8, it says, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. Psalm was written around 1440 BC uh, to around 586 BC. It's the longest book 
in the Bible. And Matthew three sixteen to 17 says, When he was baptized, Jesus came immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens wrote to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. Once mm-hmm. again, fulfilling all this, that this is prophecy, that this is the Son of God, is the Messiah. There's no one else that can be saved, because Messiah means to be a liberator or a saviour. Uh, to saving a group of people. And it's when you put all of these prophecies together, you look at them, and you say, what are the chances of all of these prophecies being fulfilled in one man? And yet that's exactly what did happen. And the Jews actually, uh, the, the, the disciples, the early Christian church, actually recognized the fact. And that's why there was such an explosion uh, of um, of understanding once they came to realize that, hey, the Old Testament prophets, the words of those prophets had actually been fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. That's right. And I think that, you know, the Holy Spirit, the way he works on our hearts and minds is that when we, when we, if you like, kind of fall in love with Jesus, when you, when you want to know him, when your life is a mess, when you're desperate and, and, I mean, Jesus, there's a prophecy here shared too, um, about, um, that the, the Messiah will be sent to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And in Luke 4, we go to the New Testament, Luke 4 verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So Jesus is quoting back from Isaiah. Almost yeah, word for word. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And yet, you know, um, to accept Jesus into our lives, to accept these words by faith and then back it up with the, the this mountable evidence here of all these things, it, you just can't be left in no mm, doubt that the mm. Bible is true and it's just and, you know, you just grow in your faith. And then you take that faith and you experience it in the world. Because when you go out in the world, you see the hurt that's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 powerful. What you're what you're actually sharing there, Eric. Because what what we see is that uh, the 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 words of the ancients are actually uh, impacting the lives of individuals today. Mm. Mm. That's right. I mean, you know, um, to think of. The way we're talking about here is the power of the word, aren't we? And the power of the world is what changes lives. Um, you and I can read any book. I've been reading about Ply and uh, and uh, Ned Kelly and, and episodes like that. And you read and you, you get the accounts of what these people see. But when you read mm. the word of God and you see this and then you back this up with all this evidence, it's just overpowering in the fact that your life changes. Now, when I became into the church... Um, there were things that I was doing that I could see that uh, the Word was telling me I shouldn't be doing. But sometimes you change from the inside out. You actually change without even actually realizing that you are changing. And that's the power of the Spirit, the yeah. power of the Word. Yeah. Yeah. And this this here that we're reading today, every time I read it and see the evidence, it's it's it just mounts up. It's just yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. 
And that's why I think, you know, in the in the New Testament, the Word of God is likened to a two-edged sword that is quick and powerful. It's able to divide. It's it's seen as something that is the um, uh, that is the major weapon of the spirit, mm-hmm. not of the Christian person but rather of the Spirit. Apparently the Spirit himself is able to work through the Scriptures and touch the hearts and minds of individuals. Perhaps that might be one of the reasons today that there are so many that are reticent to actually fall back and put their faith in the Word of God because it does actually challenge a person's lifestyle and commitments. Yes, and I believe the devil becomes more active because I've seen it. I've seen people who have studied to study. They love the study, you know. Yeah. And then when it comes the next time, something in the world pulls them away and they drift back. And then they it's almost like they, the Holy Spirit reaches in and, and grabs them and pulls them back again. And they come to a study and they, they can see what is happening here, you know. And so there is a battle going on, you know. Um, it amazed me too, Gary, that uh, in the Bible it talks so much about the crucifixion. There are so many texts here about fulfillment from the old to the new, where even in Psalms sixty-nine twenty-one, when Jesus was on the cross, it said, They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And then you come across to Matthew twenty-seven thirty-four. The King James says they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. So, what is gall in the Bible? Well, gall is often a bitter-tasting substance made with a plant, such as from wormwood or from myrrh. From myrrh, and so um, when they, when Jesus was talking, when they were talking about this in Psalms, and then it actually was fulfilled here when Jesus was on the cross. I mean, it says here there was so much here about the crucifixion, about his legs yeah. uh, being yeah. broke would not be broken, and uh, and that they he would be mocked and ridiculed. And they'd actually gamble for his garments. These are actually amazing. Only details, aren't they? Mm. And yet, to me, the thing that really stands out to me is the way that the detail was met by reality mm. uh, because you know it's a, such an easy thing to give a prophecy you find it in Nostradamus all the time you get a big overarching statements that could actually be interpreted in 50 different ways but within the scriptures that's not how it happens what they're doing is they're turning around and they're saying well actually this, these are some small details that you need to be aware of then when you put the details together you start to see something here that is incredibly powerful. That's right. And when you read about it, like we read it today after all these events and things that have happened, it gives us stronger faith. I mean, you can imagine being back there in those days and listening to these words. And if they were here now to see and read back and look at it and get the understanding, some of them understood, Mm. but a lot of them didn't. They rejected Jesus. They never accepted him. I mean, as you said, you know, they expected a Messiah, but they expected him to come the way that they thought he would come. And I think you, Eric, I think you're actually making a very important point there. And it's one that I, th- I think that we do have to pick up on and really emphasize. It's so easy to actually uh, assume that uh, the, the scriptures that, uh, uh, that a, a prophecy will work out according to 
our own imagination or the way that we've, you know, someone perhaps has, um, has painted a picture. I'm conscious today there are a lot of movies around that have actually painted pictures of the end times that are actually not, not biblically correct. Mm. And yet that is the standard belief of many in the Christian world because they've actually seen it on the, in a theatre somewhere. Mm. And yet, as I come back to the word of God, I say, hey, the evidence for that is actually lacking. Yes. And I think, too, Pastor, if you don't mind me being honest with you, I also think, too, that um, sometimes um, we can um, put our interpretation on it, the fact that we may not have everything exactly right. We need to be humble enough to be of the acceptance for ch- for growing truth and the fact that, you know, the way Jesus' um, character and everything is and the way he uh, he walked on this earth and he showed the people back then the real spirit of the gospel. Mm-hmm. He showed the mercy and grace. The people didn't understand. Maybe when Jesus, when Jesus comes back again that we will be showing things a bit different to the way we thought about it. Yeah, know? yeah. I, I, I think that's also a very valid point, you know, because, you know, while while I'm conscious that truth can be known and truth is revealed in the word of God uh, do I understand all truth well no I think I have yet a great deal to learn as do most of us but to me I think the really important thing for us to, to understand is that within the scriptures we've actually got ourselves a foundation that is able to reveal truth to us that shines more and more to a perfect day and by coming back to the word of God we can come closer to that beautiful thing called truth because I suggest to you that within the word of God truth does exist that's right and it it is sad today to think that some people think the Messiah hasn't come the first time Mm -hmm. and the fact too that we await the return of the Messiah we're waiting for Jesus to come again that we should all be awake and you know um, it says that we should be um, actively um, accepting the word and the word changing us I mean if we if we accept the word of God and reading what we do and we stop there but we don't actually go out and exercise that faith that God has put in us If we don't keep growing, then we have the, uh, um, then we can actually stop growing in our Christian walk. And just as you said before, we can become people like sitting in the pews and just waiting. We have to be happy and joyful, and we understand what is happening in the world today. And searching for truth. Hmm. Uh, to me, I think it's a very beautiful thing that the Lord has given the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that I'm so conscious that the Spirit does is to lead us into all truth. Hmm. The Spirit of God is given, hmm. but he doesn't wor- work uh, short of the of the word of God itself. Let's come to some more music, Eric. I, I love this particular song. It's called The King's Dreams. This tells the story, the beautiful story of the prophecy of Daniel 2. Please enjoy. In the ancient land Chaldea in the mind of a troubled king came a dream of power and meaning yet the dreamer forgot everything but another who dreams of our future will never forget what he sees so let's believe this dreamer please the 
life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. That's a fantastic little book. If uh, if you really want to have a, have a book that will challenge your thinking, please have a go at requesting that book. It's worth listening to. It's worth reading. The book's The Great Controversy. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, Big Questions for God with Pastor Gary. Our specialist in the hot seat today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it is fantastic to have Eric with us today. This week, the question we're asking is, can a rational person believe in predictive prophecy? And we're looking at the sheer amount of evidence that the Scriptures provide that that Christ would come to this earth as Messiah. You know, Eric, one of the things that really stands out to me, I, I really love uh, Daniel chapter 9 because there are so many prophecies of the coming of the Christ. But this one verse, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but do you know this one verse says so much to me. It's uh, the prophet Daniel is speaking. He's, um, uh, And uh, what he shares is this. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince comes, there shall be, and then it gives a period of time. Do you know, as I read that, I stand in awe because Bible expositors from from many generations have recognized that in this particular passage, what we get is a time period given. It gives a starting point. It says that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah of the Prince comes, there's going to be a particular period of time, and that period is then expounded. And you know the thing that really jumps out at me? is that right on time, the New Testament says, when the fullness of time had come, he came. What were they referring to? I believe they were actually referring to this particular prophecy. You know, Eric, I, as I look at this prophecy, I sort of say, hey, what, what an amazing reality we've got here. We've got a prophecy given by the a prophet Daniel that gives a time period, starting with the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, and we know that happened in 457. Until Messiah comes, there's going to be a particular period of time. Mm. Right on time, Jesus Christ comes to this earth. Mm. To me, I look at that and I stand in awe at what I see actually occurring. But Eric, I'm taking your time, and I shouldn't be doing that. Um, Share with us some more, because we do have to come together and finish off in the next couple of minutes. Well, I think, Gary, you're right. All this that we've been talking about today is is pure evidence uh, given in the Bible. And I think that uh, from our faith, through faith plus the evidence, do we grow and mature as Christians, you know. And the sadness of today, which is a challenge to you and I today, I believe, 
believe is that we do spend the time to to uh, increase our faith through reading the scriptures that we don't get sidetracked by the things of this world and that is the greatest challenge today we live in a time of so much fastness that we we often get neglect to do what we need to do it's all there and God is calling us mm. to come back to him to to be uh, to be you know strong in our faith you know uh, t- the simple thing is is that Jesus says to be saved all you have to do is believe that I am the son of God mm. so do we believe that Jesus is the son of God that's all you've got to do is accept that in your hearts and then you have that relationship with him where you want to read about him you want to know more about him that is a challenge today with all that we've been reading here and talking about is do we spend enough time with him uh, the one who has done so much for us, mm. you know, and is coming back to save us. Uh, we can read all these evidences and it, it really gives us confidence. But then we put our faith into practice. We spend time and we grow and then we show other people, hey, we do believe in Christ because of the way we treat mm. them. You know, Eric, what you've actually said there is so important because growing in the Christian faith does actually require spending time in the Word. I know just, uh, just this morning I, I try to spend some time uh, in, in reading uh, each, uh, each morning. Uh, this morning I was reading actually about one of the Old Testament prophets and just looking at the example that he was for the day and age in which we live uh, and then to be able to spend some time in prayer. Uh, you know, I, I'm so conscious that it's as we're able to spend time with the Word that we're able to uh, discover and we're able to grow uh, and even be challenged in our own thinking. Mm. To I me, think, I think too, Pastor Harry, too, that um, it kind of goes a little bit beyond that because I think that when you're um, helping a person or you're um, sharing something with them and hearing what they have to say about it, that that is the growth. That is this. This that is a gospel in action, mm. and that to me, when you hear back from somebody who's going through whatever, whether they're on ice or whatever is happening to them, and they're searching for God, that that builds me up because they are, they show growth, and and that is a gospel in action. Mm, mm, mm. We need to put the gospel in action. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's very powerful, Eric. Eric, I'm just wondering. We do need to finish. Sure. How would you like to just pray today for our uh, for our listeners, particularly for those who you know maybe not be that familiar with the scriptures? Uh, but sure. would you like to just pray and just uh, ask that the Lord will be with them? Sure. Oh, our dear heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you're such a wonderful God. We thank you that you're our friend, our saviour, our Messiah. And today, Lord, we've just briefly looked at some of the scriptures that talked about the Messiah, about Jesus. I want to thank you, Lord, for his life, that he came to heal the brokenhearted, to take our burdens away. And, Lord, on this old earth, things will happen to us that we don't understand. Things will happen, Lord, and we may question where is God in this, but we know that through reading the Scriptures, through having faith, Lord, that you will bring peace to our hearts, that we will have an understanding that there is a battle going on. I pray for those, Lord, that are getting to know you right now. I pray, Lord, for those who are just, they don't know you yet, but are searching. And I pray for those, Lord, who are walking on the journey. We're all in different stages of our lives, Lord, Christian lives. Mm. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit may just uh, strengthen each one, 
Help us, Lord, to turn to you in the hour of need. May we turn to our wonderful King, our Messiah, Jesus, who gave us all for us. Help us to be broken, Lord, that we may offer our lives to you. And through that, Lord, we will find that peace that only you can bring us. Mm -hmm. So bless each one today, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it looks like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on the Drive Time Show. Tomorrow we're going to dig more into this subject when we look at the astounding evidence for predictive prophecy. This time we're looking from the book of Daniel. Really look forward to seeing you then. But remember that Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.